We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. I'm excited for today's show. I've got a lot of trade stuff to talk about. Will the Lakers actually make a trade? I think we've gotten about as close as we can get to a definitive answer to that question. And I'm thrilled to get to talk about that. And then what are the potential options the Lakers could have on the trade market. Plus, I've got some fan questions and comments that we'll finish out the show with, so a lot to dive into. Quick reminder before we get to it, though, over on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash LakersNation. Make sure you're subscribing and then turn on notifications as well. I'm going to keep everybody as up-to-date as we possibly can as we get into trade season. Be breaking down rumors. Be breaking down different possibilities. If a trade goes down, all of my analysis is going to go right there, youtube.com slash LakersNation, so make sure you are subscribing. And again, Turn on those notifications so we can keep you up to date. On the podcast side, we appreciate all of the support we've gotten for the Lakers Nation podcast over the years. If you wouldn't mind, give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Leave us something nice, a nice comment there. Let us know uh, what you like about the show. Always love reading that. And then, of course, also subscribe over on Spotify, wherever it is really that you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into this. Again, I'm excited to get to talk about all the stuff that we're going to get into today. First and foremost... The first hurdle we have to clear for the Lakers heading into trade season, which is what December 15th typically is around the NBA. What happens on that date? You've heard me talk about it on this show before. That date, December 15th, is the date when most of the players who signed new contracts this past summer become eligible to be traded. So that is typically seen as the unofficial start to trade season around the NBA. So with that coming up, Will the Lakers make a move or not? Dave McMenamin of ESPN says, yes, they will. Here's the thing. We had been hearing that the Lakers were in this kind of evaluation period, and that was frustrating for Lakers fans, understandably, but that what they wanted to find out was, is this team good enough? Is this team worth it to trade away future assets, or are they simply a lost cause? Are they so bad? Remember the first few games of the season when they were shooting like 20%? from three, like historically bad from behind the arc, and they looked terrible. And I kept saying, that's not sustainable. They're going to shoot better. They're going to shoot better. They're going to shoot better. Um, Look, they're not a great three-point shooting team, but we're starting to see signs of life from this team, right? They're now 8-12 and on the season. I think they've had opportunities to be even better than that. Uh, 10-10 and certainly is a possibility, given what we saw uh, against the Indiana Pacers, fumbling that game away, fumbling away, the first game against the Portland Trailblazers early in the season. The Lakers had opportunities to be 10 and 10. They're not. They're 8 and 12 right now. But the bottom line is that they are starting to play better basketball. And the front office apparently has taken notice and decided that, yes, this team, and given the the way the Western Conference is playing out where it doesn't look like there's a dominant power, this team is good enough to where it's going to be worth surrendering future assets to make a move to help them out. Part of that, has to be credited to Anthony Davis, who has been absolutely phenomenal this season. Once he started to really recover from that back injury and he could move, you could see the fluidity is back in his game. He has been a dominant presence on the floor for the Lakers. He has been absolutely incredible. And so that has got to give the front office a little bit more enthusiasm about surrendering future assets in order to get AD the help he needs. LeBron, 
obviously doing what he can to stay on the floor. He's had some really good performances lately, had a few bad ones as well, but he's doing enough to where the front office says, yes, this team is close enough. Let's find a trade. If we have to surrender future assets, let's do it. And let's see what these guys can do once we add some better pieces around them. We've been saying since the summer, since July, this roster is screaming for a trade. It is not balanced the way it's set up. You see it, all the guards on the roster. We're seeing situations where Darvin Ham is having to play three, sometimes four guards at the same time around one center. It's messy. So I'm looking for this roster to be rebalanced sometime after December 15th. We're going to see some type of trade goes down. Dave McMenamin of ESPN again saying that from people that he's talked to in the organization, that evaluation period, it's done. And the answer is yes, let's do something. So Dave believes the Lakers will indeed make some kind of a trade here, maybe multiple trades as we cross over that December 15th uh, starting point for trade season. So with that being said, what are the options? What are the options that the Lakers have uh, in front of them? And I can't say specifically in terms of they can sign, they can trade for this player or that player. Look, a lot of things are going to change. There's a lot of names that we heard over the summer. You know, we heard all about Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, about the Lakers having an opportunity to trade for them uh, the night before media day and ultimately deciding not to do that deal. We've heard about San Antonio Spurs packages with you know, maybe Yaka Pirtle, Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott. We've heard about Utah Jazz packages, Boyan Bogdanovich when he was with the Jazz, maybe even Boyan Bogdanovich still now that he's with the Detroit Pistons, but the Jazz have you know, Jordan Clarkson, who apparently they want to hang on to, but they've got other pieces, Jared Vanderbilt, Mike Conley, other players like that. Are they still win willing to make a move now that they've been playing considerably better, even though they've slumped a little bit recently? Overall, better than a lot of people thought they would. Um, you've got the Charlotte Hornets, right? But a lot of those dynamics have changed since the summer. I mean, the Pacers, who just beat the Lakers, have been better than people thought they would be. So does that change their willingness to make a move? So I think we're going to see some new teams pop up that are willing to deal with, with the Lakers um, and some new options that just come onto the table. But purely from the Lakers perspective, without getting into exactly who they're trading for, here's what the Lakers can do. And Jovan Buha of the athletic uh, provided a little bit of Intel on which way the Lakers are leaning. Essentially the Lakers have three real options, right? You can do a trade around Russell Westbrook, which would be a big trade because you're sending out $47 million in salary and you're either bringing back, a big player, like a star level player. And then maybe that's something that would entice the Lakers or you're bringing back two, maybe three solid role players. Right. And that's a scenario where you trade away Russ. You might be talking about both first round picks. You might be talking about 2027 and 2029 plus Russell Westbrook going out. And if the Lakers go that path, they go with the Russ trade. What they need to do, if they're going to give up both first, um, it, really in any scenario, if they're going to give up both first, they have to be sure that whatever they're getting back is enough to propel them to being a true contender. If you're only going to give up one first, the bar isn't quite that high, right? Because you still have another one. You can make a subsequent move. But if you give up both, then your ability to make a future move is almost non-existent. Not totally, but it, it will be difficult to make another move after that without any more first-round picks to trade. So if you're going to do something that's going to see both first-round picks go out. If you're going to attach those to Russell Westbrook, say, you got to be convinced that what you're getting back is enough to bring you to contention. But anyway, that's that's number one. You could trade Russell Westbrook. Option two would be to trade Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn. Now, maybe you can add another salary onto that. I talked about this on the Lakers Nation YouTube ch channel recently. But Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn, together, they're going to make just over $18 million. So you can take back somewhere in the 20 to 22, right about $22 million in a trade. You can bump that up a little bit if you were to add another veteran minimum contract. You can talk about, you know, Damian Jones or someone like that. Um, Matt Ryan, of course, was, was waived by the Lakers, and I'll talk more about that later. That also allows you to, whether it's a Russell Westbrook trade, whether it's a Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn trade, you can bring back an extra player because you have an open roster spot. So you have a little bit more flexibility in that scenario. But the bottom line is that the Lakers, they can take a Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and do a smaller trade. Obviously, in that situation, you're bringing back one or two players. And depending on what kind of draft capital you're attaching, 
it's probably not going to be a star level player or, or anything like that, right? We're talking about rotation players. That's what, what you're bringing back. And by the way, in terms of what the Lakers are looking for, I I would be shocked if they were looking for a guard in this situation. They Even if they traded away Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn, they still have plenty of guards right now. I guess if it's Beverly Nunn and Westbrook, then maybe you need to get a guard back. But I would assume that the Lakers will be looking for wings. They'll be looking for bigs. They'll be looking for the skill sets of three-point shooting and defense, or at least that's what they should be looking for. Easier said than done to find those things, but nevertheless, that's what I would expect. So that's option two. Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, put them together, make a trade that way. Option three is you do both. You do both. You trade Russ plus a first, and you go get multiple pieces or one big piece, and you trade Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn plus a first and you go get multiple pieces or, or one medium sized piece, right? That could be a very drastic roster overall, right? If you've got Russ's $47 million, you've got 18 million and change coming in the form of Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn put together all expiring contracts. That's so much salary going out. You can bring back a number of pieces that way and drastically overhaul the roster. And again, you've got to find the right moves. Dave McMenamin saying he believes the Lakers will make a move. There's a middle ground here, right? It's possible the Lakers just do Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn. They could trade those guys for somebody who's on an expiring contract and still wind up having cap space next summer, let Russell Westbrook's contract expire. That's probably not as big of a move, as sexy of a move. It's not necessarily something that's going to make everybody go, whoa, the Lakers, they're, they're loaded now. Look at all this firepower. That's more you're trying to do both things, right? That's more of a scenario where you're trying to add some pieces to help the team win right now without necessarily sacrificing future flexibility. If you do option three, though, where you trade Russ, you trade none, you trade Patrick Beverly, you trade all, all these expiring contracts, you're attaching first round picks. That's where you're really going for it this season, right? So you can still kind of straddle the line there by doing, say, just a Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn trade with one first. You get back an expiring. You could still have that future flexibility moving forward. So there, there's a way that the Lakers can try to help this team win right now without necessarily sacrificing the future or really going all in. But I think if they go with option three, which Jovan says the Lakers are leaning towards option two or option three, not just trading Russell Westbrook. They're either going to do, they're probably going to trade Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn, and they might even do both, trade Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and another deal that involves Russell Westbrook. That would be the truly all-in approach here for the Lakers. You go all-in, you trade all those expiring contracts, probably attaching those first-round picks, and you do everything you can to set up yourself in a, in a, a position to win right now. My big thing is if you're going to give up both those future first-round picks, whatever you're getting back, needs to be young enough to where two years down the road, LeBron sails off into the sunset. AD says, yeah, I'm out. You know, I'm not going to go through a rebuild. You want to make sure that you're getting back pieces that you can flip and help jumpstart a rebuild at that point. And if you go get, like if you give up a first and you get Boyan Bogdanovich back, who's 33, going to be 34 in the spring, that's a difficult situation because you're probably getting the last of his NBA value. It's, it's unlikely that you're going to reflip him down the road and get some type of value back. If you're going to give up both those first and you get younger players, there's a decent chance that you can get some picks back if you decide to go into a rebuild and trade those players away at a later date. So I think that's going to be something that's important for the Lakers. If you're going to give up both those first, you want to make sure you're getting back players that at least age-wise should be able to be eventually flipped into other future assets down the road. But in any event, all of this exciting for this Lakers team, right? Apparently they've shown enough, and I agree with this. I think that they are close enough to where you can really see, like if you had the right pieces around AD, the right pieces around LeBron, I'm talking about, I've said this a bunch, it's not rocket science, guys who can defend, guys who can shoot threes. You put that around these guys, you may have something here, particularly in a Western conference where there isn't that dominant power right now it's wide open. I know the Lakers right now are sitting in 13th, and so that doesn't give you a lot of confidence that, hey, this is one of the best teams in the conference, but there's not a lot of separation. 
any kind of a win streak, and that can drastically alter where you're at in the standings. And so there is opportunity in the West. I think the Lakers are seeing that. And again, according to Dave McMenamin, they're going to get a deal done. Question now is, which option do they take? Is it the trade Russ option, which seems to be the least likely? Is it the trade Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn, the most likely? Or is it you do both? And this is the second most likely. Beverly, Nunn, and Russ go all in. Interesting to see what they do. All right. I do need to get into some of the fan questions and comments we've got here. And of course, these questions and comments will allow me to springboard into a lot of different topics, including more trade stuff. So I'm going to dive into that, where these are coming from. These are coming from the post game after the Lakers took on the Portland Trailblazers. There are a few people who will complain in these, in these questions and comments um, because I was not aware of the Matt Ryan situation, Matt Ryan being waived. I was doing this show live, uh, our live post-game show. It was a solo show, so it was just me. And I was 20 minutes behind in the chat. So I was answering questions that were 20 minutes old at that point. And so the chat was firing off, telling me Matt Ryan just got waived by the Lakers, and I didn't catch up to it. So you'll see a few of them in here that are, are mentioning that. They're trying to notify me that <laughs> that, that had gone down because I did not know at that moment. But in any event, let's get into some of these. JJ Ramirez says the Lakers finally had a complete game, even with Patrick Beverly in the way. So that's actually part of the reason why I, I think it's fairly likely that we'll see Patrick Beverly in a trade. He still provides what you want in the locker room. He still provides that defense first mentality. He's still a guy who's going to hold players accountable. Those things are important, but probably not as important as finding the right pieces to fit around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And look, Pat has just, he's not been good enough. Pat Beverly has not been good enough on the floor in terms of uh, hitting the three, particularly on the offensive end. His offensive production has been been terrible. And look, as much as Lakers fans enjoyed seeing him push DeAndre Ayton, and in general, Lakers fans, I know not all, but in general, Lakers fans were for his push on DeAndre Ayton. All the polls we ran has, uh, have suggested that. Uh, Pat Bev sticking up for his teammate, Austin Reeves, but he just, he hasn't been able to shoot well enough from three. In fact, he's shooting 23% from behind the arc right now. The Lakers really needed him to come in and be that 37, 38% three point shooter, which is his career average has not been that at all. This is the worst three point shooting season of his career right now. Now you guys know, I'm, I, I firmly believe that ultimately numbers will bounce back. So maybe, maybe there are, um, there are better days ahead for Patrick Beverly shooting the basketball. But there's also a point where your production just drops off when you hit a certain age. I don't know if that's what's going on with Pat, but he is older. Uh, I mean, 34 years old right now. He's not, he can do some things on the defensive end of the floor, but I look when they, when they were missing him for those three games, I didn't feel like they were really missing him out there on the floor. And again, I think he can still bring stuff in the locker room, but doesn't wouldn't shock me at all if he winds up getting moved because they need players who can produce on the floor. Same thing with Kendrick Nunn, right? Where he's just, he's not producing at the level the Lakers need him to. An expiring contract, package that together in a trade. Maybe you can get something to help you out. Sent by NFT says, this game proves LeBron and AD can compete with legit pieces. Also, I need him to enforce running that Braun AD pick and roll. It forces them to run a real offense. So I think it was, wasn't was just this win over the Blazers. Because remember, the Blazers were missing Damian Lillard. And so you, you take a little bit of that with a, a grain of salt, right? They were missing Josh Hart as well, Nasir Little. This wasn't a complete Blazers team. But nonetheless, the Lakers got a win. And in general, they've been looking better lately. Yes, they've been playing weaker competition. They've been playing the Spurs. They've been playing the Pistons. That's how they've gotten these wins. Uh, I think it would go a long way if the Lakers can pick up one or two quality wins on this road trip here. They're embarking on a six-game road trip. If you can beat like the Toronto Raptors or something, which is not easy, it's a good team. But if you can get a win over, say, Toronto or something like that, that would also go, go a long way towards cementing this idea that, hey, this team isn't that far off and they just need a little bit of extra help to really get there in the Western Conference. Uh, the Braun AD pick and roll. Yeah, look, I, I would like to see more of that. I would like to see more sets run. I think we saw that problem against the Pacers where the Lakers just went ISO a bunch down the stretch. ISO LeBron. It didn't look good. You get stagnation off the ball. You're not really running anything. 
And all that does is it allows opponents to get back into games. You think you're running clock. You think you're getting the ball into the hands of your best guy and all of that. NBA teams, it's one of my pet peeves in the league. A lot of teams do this. And usually what winds up happening is you throw your whole offense out of sync because you're trying to run the clock down and you're trying to make sure LeBron doesn't pass the ball and then he isn't able to get it back. Um, and you wind up settling for bad shots, which fuels your opponent's offense, gets them into transition, gets them scoring opportunities. It is the recipe for a comeback. It's when teams do this, they give up comeback opportunities. And that's exactly what the Lakers did against the Pacers. So Senpai, I am in agreement with you. Keep running sets, keep running things that are going to generate open looks and then trust that Austin Reeves, that Lonnie Walker, that Troy Brown, that the other guys, if called upon, if a team cuts off everything else, trust that those guys are going to make the correct play. That is what I want to see out of this Lakers team. Uh, Darren Montgomery said, congrats on the free tacos, LA residents, LOL. Yes, that did indeed happen in the, the Blazers game. The Lakers held them um, to a low enough point total to where they got tacos in the arena. Uh, but good win to carry into Milwaukee Friday. AD was way more involved in the fourth quarter. Love to see it. Yes, that was a point of emphasis after AD was not nearly involved enough against the Pacers in the fourth quarter. And certainly that contributed to them losing that game. He's been their most efficient offensive player. Uh, LeBron had a great game against the Blazers. Uh, he was extremely efficient, but in general, AD has been their most efficient offensive force. When they need a bucket, they have to figure out ways to get him involved which is easier said than done because this is no longer the Shaquille O'Neal NBA, the Hakeem Olajuwon, the, the Patrick Ewing, the David Robinson, uh, even Tim Duncan. It's not the NBA of those years because that NBA, the defensive rules were different and it was much easier just to hit the wing and throw the ball into the post and let your guy go to work. That's no longer the case. Now you're seeing defenses that can double off the ball and that makes it that much more difficult to get Anthony Davis the ball. But we did see the Lakers just trying to make sure he was involved, even getting him touches up above the three-point line um, just to make sure he's in the flow of the offense and then finding ways to get him the ball closer to the basket, a lot of the times off of dribble penetration from other players, whether it was an Austin Reeves, a Dennis Schroeder, LeBron James, whoever, and then getting AD involved that way. That was important. Just find ways to manuf manufacture touches for Anthony Davis. Again, it's not rocket science. Give your best player the ball when you need to win the game. Make sure he's involved. And that is Anthony Davis. That's what they have to do. Matty James, after this last string of games, would you say this team's identity is? Uh, do you have more confidence in them to close out games? So their identity is becoming apparent um, through some of their stats. And this is something that I'll go over in a video uh, later today. I'll see if I can put that out on Friday. But in terms of where they rank, we're now 25% of the way through the season. This is a team that plays extremely fast. In fact, as of this moment, they are number one in the NBA in pace. Um, defensively, they're doing well. The three-point shooting is starting to come around. We are seeing some flaws, though, pop up, too, in terms of the where they rank uh, their overall offensive production. They're 28th in offensive rating. That's got to get better. They're also not forcing enough turnovers. For a team that really doesn't want to play in half-court basketball, they need to force more turnovers on their opponents so they can get out and run and, and get into transition. So this is a team that is going to struggle in the half court, but they're good enough defensively to where I think that can keep them in games. So if you get a moderate improvement on the offensive end, it can go a long way. And I think that's what the front office needs to be looking at on the trade front. Uh, do I have more confidence in them to close out games? It's hard to say confidence after what we saw against the Pacers, but I think they are starting to figure things out. I think they are starting to find their way. And I think they should look more capable now than they did a few weeks ago in terms of closing out a, a closer game. Darius G. Uh, Trevor, do you think we're showing signs of life or is it the quality of teams we are playing? Austin Reeves needs the mic more. Enjoy the show. Um, so I think look, the quality of teams they're playing is it's definitely a factor. It's a factor, right? I mean, part of the reason why you look at the teams they beat and, and there's nothing wrong with this. They beat the Pistons. They beat the Spurs three times, right? These are the teams that are getting wins over uh, a diminished Blazers squad, missing Damian Lillard, other players. But those are also the games you have to win, right? I've talked a bunch about it, that the way you get into the playoffs in the NBA, it's not 
once or twice a week, you're going into this big, just titanic battle against the Bucks or against the Celtics or against the Suns, and you're and you're somehow coming out with the win against like that's great when that happens. But in order to get into the playoffs, what you need to do is beat the teams that you know you can beat. Beat the teams where you know if you show up and you control the things you can control. And I'm talking about your team effort. You know that if you control your effort and you give the appropriate amount of effort, then nine times out of 10, you're going to beat that team. And that's the Pistons, that's the Spurs, and, and, and so on. Those are the games you have to win. And the Lakers have been doing that. So that's a factor, right, when we're looking at this. We're, it's not like the Lakers beat the Spurs and you say, oh, man, they beat the Spurs. That shows they're a championship team. No, but that you still give them credit for getting out there and taking care of business and, and getting it done. Um, that being said, I do think they're showing signs of life. I do think we're seeing this team start to figure some things out. I do think that defensively they're starting to develop an identity. Part of this is Anthony Davis just being so good, but Austin Reeves is starting to contribute. Lonnie, uh, at, a, at a very high level, Lonnie Walker has been really good for this team. Hopefully he's back tonight. Um, still dealing with that, that foot injury. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. contributing, right? Uh, Thomas Bryant gets back, and he was a factor against the Blazers at the center position. So what does that mean for the team moving forward? Now you can get a little bit more honest analysis of the team because you've got more players healthy, more players available. Again, they may be without Dennis Schroeder tonight. His wife is about to have a baby. Can't fault him, obviously, for missing a game for that. Um, Troy Brown Jr. dealing with a foot injury. Sounds like he is probable for tonight's game. Lonnie Walker, questionable, also dealing with a foot injury. It's I don't know why, but the Lakers, you get two thumb injuries at the same time, same injury, both requiring, requiring surgery. That was Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant. Now you have two foot injuries two left foot injuries at the same time in Lonnie Walker and Troy Brown Jr. It's bizarre. But the bottom line, yes, I think this team is starting to figure things out and they're showing signs of getting better. And I think that's why, uh, according to Dave McMenamin, the front office is saying, yeah, okay, we're going to rock with this. Let's go for it and let, let's make a deal as soon as December 15th, the rest of the league becomes ready to make a trade. Um, that was a duplicate there. Fernando said, Wendy Gabriel and Thomas Bryant are enough on the five, get two tall shooters. You know, I think that's something that's interesting, right? If I'm the Lakers and let's say I'm getting two players in a trade, ideally, at least one of those players needs to be a wing. And that's easier said than done because everybody in the NBA is looking for wings right now. But you want one player to be a wing, at least. Has to be, at least one. If it's two, you're probably okay with that because as Fernando was saying, Wendy and Gabriel's doing some things in the paint for you. Thomas Bryant is getting closer to proving that he can be a consistent threat. If you can only get one wing out of two players, the other one should be a big. Um, I think that particularly a three-point shooting big would like, I don't know, a guy named Miles Turner would probably be a nice addition next to Anthony Davis, allow him to play the four a little bit more. Um, and if you were to do two wings... That's fine. I think what you just don't want to see is like a wing and a guard or a, certainly not a big and a guard. They just, they, they just don't need guards right now. You need wings. If you can get two wings, great. If you get a wing and a big, great. You just don't need guards. Matty James, looking forward to the Bucks matchup. Chris Middleton will be back in action for the Bucs. Not going to be an easy matchup at all for the Lakers. They are a very good team. Hope AD really competes and gives it to Giannis since Giannis uh, has embarrassed him the last few times. Yeah, I mean, it was only a couple of seasons ago when we were questioning who's the better player, Giannis or AD. They kind of fill similar roles. I think it's going to be interesting because Darvin has taken some of the things from the Bucs offense and employed them with the Lakers, which means we're going to see Giannis running some similar things, some similar actions as we see the Lakers run for Anthony Davis and they're going to be going head to head. Yes, would definitely love to see a big performance out of AD against Giannis. It's a step up game. Look, Giannis is fantastic. He's tremendous. And it's not going to be an easy matchup, but would be great to see AD rise to the challenge. Joey C, the only time the LeBron AD pick and roll works is when Russ is on the bench. Imagine running that pick and roll um, with Buddy Heald and Miles Turner on the floor, completely spaced out, just saying, um, Joey, you're, you're right in the sense that if Russ is on the floor, let's say Russ is spotting up in the corner, well, his defender is just going to go leave him. He's just going to camp in the paint and do everything he can to stop 
the lob from going to Anthony Davis or the, even the, the pocket pass on the roll. That's the goal of the defense. Stop AD. Make sure he can't get the ball in a LeBron AD pick and roll. And if Russ is on the floor, they're not even going to worry about him being out there, right? Even though Russ has actually shot the three better this season, they're not going to worry about him being out there. Now, if that player was Buddy Heald, they're worried about him being out there. So Joey has a, has a point here. What that means is that the defender, whoever was assigned to, in this case, let's say Buddy Heald or any, you can insert any shooter into that position, um, rather than be able to step into the paint and cut off a pass to AD, they aren't going to be so willing to just leave that shooter wide open. And if they do that and LeBron just rifles the pass out to Buddy Heald, cool. In that case, the Lakers would live with Buddy Heald getting an open three-point look however many times a game if the defense really sells out to stop Anthony Davis on the roll. So Joey makes a good point there that, yes, if you surround LeBron James and Anthony Davis with shooting, with defense, good things tend to happen. It's going to open up the paint a little bit more for AD, for LeBron. And if it doesn't, then those shooters are just going to be raining fire on opponents because they'll be able to drop wide open threes um, at a more successful rate than the current Lakers. So good point. Uh, Eugene says AD still had 27 despite Dennis not finding him. You know, a lot of people were complaining about Dennis Schroeder missing passes to AD. They just, they're not on the same wavelength. We saw this was a problem um, a few seasons ago, Schroeder's first season with the Lakers and Schroeder just isn't a natural passer. And yet AD still put up 27. So they got by, they got by. It's not Schroeder's skill set isn't necessarily as a guy who's going to set up teammates. That's not really what he does as a point guard, but he really just isn't on the same page with AD. Not the way Austin Reeves and AD are on the same page, or even Russell Westbrook and AD are on the same page. That dynamic just isn't there with, with Dennis Schroeder. But you, you knew that going in, right? We knew that going into the season, and so I'm not even going to fault Dennis that much. It's just, it's just not who he is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Bruce. Oh, says uh, Beverly Nunn and one first to Detroit for Boyan and Bagley. Marvin Bagley at least coming back makes you feel a little bit better about giving up the first. I'm still personally, I'm reluctant to give up a first in any kind of Boyan deal just because like, I like him. I think he'd be a great fit. If you're telling me it's Beverly Nunn and two seconds for Boyan, do it. Call it in right now. No, I, I would absolutely do that. But the first so far into the future, particularly if it's unprotected, you, maybe you can talk me into a heavily protected first, but if I'm going to give up a first round pick and I'm the Lakers, I need it to be for a player who I know can be part of my future. And I'm, with Boyan's age, I just, I'm not convinced of that. He's very good. I would do it in a heartbeat if it's second round picks. I think he would help the Lakers out immensely. Maybe I could be talked into a lottery protected first, but personally, I'm not, I don't want to see a first round pick attached in any kind of deal for, for Boyan Bogdanovich, unless there's like other pieces coming from Detroit too. Maybe Marvin Bagley moves the needle enough. I don't know if I would do that, but there's other players there as well. Michael Smith said, I'm from Kansas City and have been to five Lakers games in four cities in the last two seasons. Oh, well, lucky you get to travel around that much and, uh, and go to all those games. But today's the first time they won when I attended. Go Lakers. Isn't that the worst? 
when you pay all that money to go to a game and then they lose and then you're left just feeling bad afterwards that that's not uh, not a situation you want to be in especially if you traveled to go see them i can't imagine but michael congratulations you got to go see a lakers win so happy for you on that and of course happy for all lakers fans out there mom mentality said no lonnie walker no troy brown jr no problem, said Austin Reeves. Good win. Let's go. Yeah, Austin Reeves dropped 22 points against the Blazers. His efficiency is insane. I talked about this on, um, I think it was the YouTube channel yesterday. Oh, I did it on Instagram as well. Austin Reeves is getting to the free throw line over three times per game. He only shoots just over six times per game. He's so crafty. He's been so good. And he's not doing the James Harden stuff, the Trey Young stuff, where he's he's whistle baiting right where he's flopping and doing all that no he's just doing the old-fashioned get into the paint pump fake when somebody goes thinking they're going to block his shot they land on him and he gets to the free throw line austin reeves getting it done there's definitely an old school feel to his game and i love it absolutely love it uh alex uh is has the sean michaels hbk uh theme music entrance music and he's uh he's using that for Heartbreak Austin, <laughs> Austin 213 with the sweet chin music. Uh, he's given us his uh, his take on that. Uh, either Russ, sent by NFT, says either Russ and Nunn for Rogier, Heald, and Turner, or Beverly, Nunn, Jones, and Matt. Well, Matt Ryan is gone now. For Rogier and PJ Washington, just get his pieces that can shoot uh, and a big. So Russ and Nunn for Rogier healed and turner i mean if you could pull that off that's probably worth giving up both first for you're getting terry rogier buddy healed and miles turner if you can find some way to make that work that's a lot that's a lot of firepower that you'd be bringing to the lakers even though terry rogier hasn't been quite as good this season shooting the ball as i would like uh lord beerus said when the lakers attack the rim good things happen yeah you know what the lakers are they're 28th in the NBA in three-point percentage right now. No longer the worst team in three-point shooting. Also 28th in the NBA in three-point attempts. And I think that's an important thing. They recognize that they're not a great three-point shooting team. And so they cut down on the number of threes they're taking. And that's helped improve their offensive production because they're taking more shots at the rim where they can be more successful. Now, ultimately, to get where they want to go, you can't just punt three-point shots, right? Not in today's NBA. So you're going to need to add some shooting and hopefully that's where that you know, whatever trade they make or trades that they make plural um, will address that problem. Uh, Mustafa Doty said, Trevor Austin Reeves is a goat. Low, he's low key becoming a superstar and nobody talking about it. We need more players like him. Austin needs a bag fam. So Austin Reeves, um, I won't say he's becoming a superstar. I think that's going too far. He's been very good as a role player here for the Lakers, but superstar, that's that's, that's setting the bar a bit too high. Um, but uh, Austin needs a bag. Yeah, look, he's going to get paid this summer. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to get paid. Fortunately, the Lakers have some things that can protect them in this situation. They do have early bird rights on him, um, which can help them go over the cap to pay him. Uh, and if another team comes in with a big offer, they're protected by the Gilbert Arenas provision, which will help the Lakers match that offer. So the Lakers are in the driver's seat to keep Austin Reeves um, as long as they don't do something silly uh, in the summer and they, they spend the money that would have been earmarked towards Reeves and somehow they don't have space or, or whatever happens there. But they, yeah, Austin's going to get a big pay raise this next summer. There's, there's no question. There's zero chance that other teams around the NBA have not noticed the things that Austin is doing right now and are marking him down on their free agent target list for next summer. But again, fortunately, the Lakers have uh, a few different mechanisms in place to protect them and to help them hang on to Austin Reeves, but they are going to have to be willing to pay him. Uh, Kerwin said, it's going to be hard to do a small trade for a forward since wing players are a premium. Trading for a center is more realistic. I, I do agree with that, Kerwin. I think it's easier to go find a trade for a center right now in terms of value, wings are going to go at a higher price. So therefore, finding a wing trade will indeed be difficult. Um, but that's that's the task presented to Rob Palenka. Mark says, Trevor, based on what we saw today, even Boyan would be a huge addition. Agreed. Look, Boyan's great. 
he would be a very good addition for this team. I'm just concerned about the age. Dowsy, do you think Russ will be a liability if the Lakers were to make the playoffs? He doesn't exactly have a good track record in playoff performances. You know, if I'm the Lakers, I'm not worrying so much about his playoff history. I'm just worrying about getting there. And if they believe Russ is the guy that can help them get there, great. And then you cross that next bridge when you get to it. Um, the Lakers aren't a lock to make the playoffs. Obviously, they're sitting in the 13th seed of playoffs. We start today. They would not. They wouldn't even be in the play-in. So you got to get there first. Um, and then you can worry about his playoff performances and all of that. And they're going to continue to explore trades. They're going to continue to look at that. It's very possible that Russ is still moved by the trade deadline. Ambrose, this team is this team is starting to come together. Let it cook. There's that, but I still think there's the ceiling is capped with this team as is, right? Like they can continue to get better. They can be a threat on any given night. I think that's what the ceiling is for this team. You need to bring in some shooting. You can't effectively punt on three-point shooting and get to where you want to go. You need big wings. You can't continue to play guards at small forward and guards even at power forward and get to where you want to go. That's the problem. It's not so much that, hey, we really want to mix everything up right now when things are just starting to click and let's disrupt it all. It's not about that. It's about how good can the team really be? How, what, what is the best case scenario? And the best case scenario with the team as presently constructed is simply not good enough to get the Lakers where they want to go. You're going to need to make some kind of a trade. And first, you got to believe that a trade can get you where you want to go. And that's good to hear from, again, from Dave McMenamin that the Lakers believe they've seen enough to make those kinds of moves. Jarrell, Beverly and Nunn for Crowder and Sarich. I mean, those are interesting. Like, I don't, do Beverly and Nunn help the Suns at all? Or are they better off just trading those guys in a separate trade? I would think it would be the latter. Uh, I don't think Beverly and Nunn really help the Suns much. But sure, I mean, you could do worse than, than those two guys. And they do kind of fit the skill sets of what the Lakers need. Top Doc said, Lakers waving Matt Ryan, reported by Shams. What do you think about the move? I think it's a, and I talked about this with Keith Smith yesterday on the front office show. I think it's a bit strange that it came when it did. Like if it came, I don't know, let's say December 17th, the Lakers were going to make a trade. And so they waved Matt Ryan December 16th. Okay, that makes sense. It's a little weird waving him now and saying, December 15th, we're going to start to really explore trade opportunities. Okay, well, then you just waved him two and a half weeks early, two weeks early, right? Particularly when you've got an injury to Lonnie Walker, you've got an injury to Troy Brown Jr. And those are your other wings. Now, there is financial incentive to do this because the less time you have him on the books, that's the less you're paying in, number one, his salary, and number two, in luxury taxes on that salary. So you do save money by doing it this way. But a little strange that they waived him when they did. Um, I think it wasn't a good look that it came out like while he was still getting dressed after the game, right? I mean, he hadn't even left the arena yet and it came out that he was being waived. Now, I'd imagine uh, he knew. He knew ahead of time what was going to happen and they'd had those conversations with him. But all in all, I, I, I don't have a problem with this move. I think it's a precursor to another move. And so we'll see what eventually happens. Uh, maybe they already have a trade lined up. Maybe they just really decided they didn't want to bring him on the road trip because he wasn't going to play, wasn't going to get minutes. No sense hauling him all across the East Coast. But still, uh, or this Eastern road trip, but still, it it feels a bit early when you could have waived him at any time. Like if you have a trade ready to go, you could wave him right then, open up the roster spot, and there you go. You didn't have to do it right now. And it does seem odd to wave a wing player when you're down two wings right now, when they're dealing with injuries, but maybe the Lakers know that those injuries aren't that significant. And those guys are going to be back in action sooner rather than later. Troy Brown is already probable for tonight's game against the bucks. Lonnie Walker questionable. So maybe the Lakers just felt the minutes just aren't going to be there. Gabriel says what Alex Caruso, the Alex Caruso, Austin Reeves duo would have been deadly. Also, who would you compare Austin's style of play to? Uh, agreed that duo certainly would have been deadly because I think that um, they both bring some interesting skill sets to the floor that would complement each other pretty well. Uh, who would I compare Austin's style of play to? That's a good question. And I'd have to really think about it. 
he's he's so crafty. He's not explosive. He did have a dunk in the last game, but he's not particularly explosive. But he's so crafty and so good getting to the rim. Um, he's such a smart decision maker. Here's the problem. The names that I'm going to throw out there aren't fair to put him in this category. But when I think about the skill set that he's got, the craftiness to his game, that he's not the fastest player, he's not the biggest player, he's not the strongest player, and yet he finds ways to get to his spots and he does it with skill and he does it with feel and he does it with his read of the game. Those are the kinds of attributes that make me think of guys like Steve Nash, like Manu Ginobili, those types of players. I'm not saying that I, this is where I want to be careful. I'm not saying that Austin is on that level. I'm not saying that's what he's going to become because I think that's not fair to Austin to try to set the bar that high because most likely that's going to lead to disappointment because you're talking about all-time greats right there. But when I think about what attributes he brings, the skill set that he brings, the perceived weaknesses that he's able to overcome in terms of, again, not being the biggest, fastest, strongest on the floor and getting by with skill, I think of those types of players as, as comps for him. Again, though, that's not the level that he's at currently, and I don't think we should set the bar that high for him uh, because, again, that's that will most likely lead to disappointment, and those are those expectations are simply too high. So, But that's those are the types of players that I think of when I think about what Austin brings. Uh, this one says, I really, really want to fully celebrate this win, but the fact was Dame was out. I still wonder if the result would be the same. Look, that's fair, but I mean, the Lakers need to stack up wins. They need wins right now. They got the win. I'm going to celebrate it, even if it was a diminished Blazers team. Um, let's face it, last year's team probably doesn't. Last year's team probably finds a way to lose this, this game. And that's part of what got people so upset with the Pacers game was we saw last year's team find ways to lose games. And that's what the Lake, this year's Lakers did against this Pacers team. Fortunately, I think that is not something that's going to happen as often as it did last season, but there was definitely some PTSD there from Lakers fans, myself included going, Oh my gosh, this is really what they're doing to us again. Um, so I think that was a, a factor when you look at what happened against the Pacers, the Lakers did what they needed to do against the Blazers. Yes, it's a diminished Blazers team, but it's still an NBA team and you still have to put them away. You still have to go out there and compete. And the Lakers did that. They did the job. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This is what I'm talking about. That's life in all caps. So we know how frustrating it is for the love of God, Trevor, Matt Ryan was waived. We've been trying to inform you, please take us out of our misery. So my whole chat, again, I'm 20 plus minutes, 25 minutes behind. I'm reading questions that are, came in from the beginning of the show because it takes a while to progress through all of the questions. And again, I didn't have anybody else on with me. Um, and so my chat is trying to tell me during, during the live show the other night, trying to tell me that Matt Ryan had been waived and I'm just going through all the different questions unaware that that had happened. And so they were, they were frustrated that I was not, I was nowhere near where they were at in the, uh, in the timeline at the moment. All right. Finished off with this. Realistically, if LeBron with no ankle injury Lakers win and help my Pacers win Minyama odds, he was on the way to 30 and 40, uh, 30 or 40 points. Lakers deserve injuries. Um, our Lakers deserve injury breaks, meaning the Lakers need to 
The Lakers deserve the injury bug to lay off of them. Um, this this commenter, by the way, is a Pacers and LeBron fan, so follows the Lakers, and uh, and is very upset that the Lakers and Pacers didn't complete the Buddy Heal the Miles Turner deal because that would have allowed the Pacers to tank a little bit easier and maybe get Victor Wembanyama. He's frustrated that the Pacers have won too many games already, um, and it would have improved the Lakers and given them a shot. Um, so. He's frustrated with that. I think he's right, though. Look, LeBron, before the ankle injury, he looked like he was rolling, and then he hurts his ankle, and then he just wasn't the same after that, and the Lakers wind up finding a way to lose that game. So understand the frustration in that Pacers one, but again, this was, um, you know what? They they sort of cleansed the palate, as it were, with the win over the Blazers. Now they head off on the six-game road trip. We'll see what the Lakers can do there, but again, the big news, the important news, that the Lakers front office, again, according to Dave McMenamin, has apparently made that decision that, yes, this team is good enough, and it sounds pretty likely that we're going to see at least one trade made by the Lakers, if not more. Oh, boy. Fire up those trade machines. Let's start figuring out what the Lakers can do on the market. Guys, don't forget, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Toss us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Till next time, see ya, and stay safe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com